1970, Kerry Livgren co-founded the band that would come to be known as Kansas. At first, things didn't go well. Three albums in two years went nowhere, and the suits at CBS Records were ready to give up on them. In 1976, Livgren and Kansas were given one final chance to record a hit. Making matters worse, their main writer couldn't come up with anything. That left all the writing to Kerry. On the very last day of rehearsal for their new album, Kerry brought the band one last song, which they performed only once before recording. It turned out to be a song about a modern-day prodigal, Carry On, Wayward Son. The rest is music legend. But the story gets even better. After years of searching for meaning and trying all kinds of religions and philosophies, on July 25th at 3 in the morning, Kerry Livgren gave his life to Christ and lived out the lyrics of his own song. Today, everywhere he goes, he leaves in his wake his story of what Jesus can do in both his words and one totally awesome song. Carry on my wayward son, there'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest, don't you cry no more.
Let's go home. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money on wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough and to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned both against heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick. Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and is now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. The story I just read to you whether you're religious or not religious, chances are you've heard of. It's called the prodigal son. Jesus told it. And literary artists say it's the greatest short story in history. I've been talking to people about God since I was 16 years old in public forums. And I've been using the story of the prodigal son for a lot, a lot of messages that I've brought. But I'm not sure that until just this weekend, I really got down and understood exactly what Jesus was trying to communicate. You have to go back and look at what happened before. If you go back to the beginning of Luke chapter 15, you'll see that Jesus was teaching. And there were two crowds of people that Jesus interacts with at the beginning of this chapter. There's one crowd that I just call them bad to the bone. The Bible calls them sinners, rejects. These are people that, you know, are doing all kinds of bad stuff. And they're there, and they're interacting with Jesus. They are bad to the bone. They're the bad crowd. The Bible just calls them really bad sinners. And the other crowd's religious. Among this religious crowd are people that spend their lives reading the Bible. And others of them are the Pharisees, which are the most religious in today's 
jargon, we would say they were the most church people. You know, they were the church ladies of the world. They, they're the most church people there. And so what I, want to, what I want to tell you is this, just to give you a little bit of background. One of these groups has come to hassle Jesus. They've come to heckle him. They've come to give him trouble. And the other group has come to listen to what he has to say because his message to them is just so wonderful. And you could say, well, Mark, I've already got it figured out because you said one crowd was bad of the bone. Surely they're the, they're the ones that came to heckle Jesus. They're the ones that came to shout him down. They brought their, they brought their liquor and their drugs and they brought you know, their, their, you know, their, all their stuff and they've come to give Jesus a hard time. And the religious crowd, the church people, they're the ones that are there listening to Jesus. It's exactly wrong. Totally wrong. When you read the Bible about Jesus, one of the things you find is really, it's really interesting to me, is a lot of people who are very unlike Jesus liked Jesus. I mean, they weren't a thing like him, but they liked him. And he liked them. And what this story is about is it, it, it came about because this religious crowd who came to heckle Jesus and endure him, what they were saying was, and this is their point, their point was you really can't be the son of God because you're with the wrong people. I mean, all these people around you that are bad to the bone, all these people around you that are doing stuff that is making the newspapers, you, you're, you're talking to them and they're liking you and you're liking them and surely if you were from God, you would be over here with us we are the religious crowd. We know what God is like. We like God. We worship God. We sing our songs. We read our Bibles and all those things that are really, really good. But they were saying, Jesus, you really can't be the real deal because if you were, you would hang with us. And that's when Jesus tells the story. You know what he was trying to say to them? He was trying to say to them, you guys don't know what God is like. And, and he was saying, in fact, that is why Jesus came into our world. We're about to celebrate Christmas. And, you know, next month we're going to talk about how that Jesus came into our world. And, and we got a brand new series coming up called Holidays. It's going to be awesome. And we, we light the lights and we, you know, we sing the songs and all this stuff. Who is Jesus and why did he come into our world? Jesus is God's son. He is God and human at the same time. But in John chapter 1, Jesus explains why he came into the world. The Bible says in John 1, nobody has ever seen God. But the one and only Son, his one and only Son, the Bible says he came into the world to show us who God is and what God is like. And to these crowds that gathered before him, Jesus said, you just don't know what God is. You don't know what he's like. And, and so I, don't you think we should listen to his Son? Because he is God. And Jesus is saying, I came here so that you will know what God is really like. I'm talking to some of you today. And you're the religious group. You grew up in church, and that's good. Thank God for that. And, and you grew up, and you say, well, Mark, I've known God since I was a kid. Are you sure? Have you known who God really is? Somebody could be here today, and you say, Mark, I'm in the bad of the bone crowd. I, I don't even know why I'm here today. I got a friend, you know, goes to New Spring, and they said, my, our church is having my circle weekend, and it's really cool stuff that's happening, and, and the band's going to play Kansas. I don't know if you knew that or not, but just say, I, I, I just really want to, I don't, I don't know why I'm here you know, it could be that you, you, you might not yet know who God is or what he's like because it could be that some of the people in crowd number one have made you think that God is a particular way and you've said, hey, I want to get away from that person. It's very important to know who God really is. H have you ever been misunderstood? I mean, somebody just totally misreads you, just doesn't know what you're about, but they start talking about, you know, and you're saying, I, you know, they're talking about you, but you're saying, I don't recognize that person. Who are they talking about? 
but they're, they're talking about you. And then what's really tough is when that person tries to interact with you, they're trying to interact with you based on their misconception of you, and you're thinking, how do I react to this? What do I do? That's not who I am. And I really believe today that many people who try to approach God approach God with a total misconception, and God is in heaven saying, what do I do with that? Because they've got me all wrong. So Jesus tells them a story so that they will know what God is like. And so there was this man. He was a farmer, really, really rich farmer. In those days, that was pretty much what you did. If you had money, you were in farming. And if you were really, really big farmer and had a lot of land and you know, a lot of property, you, you were a big man in town. And I really believe that the guy in our story was maybe the biggest man in town. And what you should know in this story that Jesus is telling so that we will understand who God is, the father, the dad in the story is God. I mean, the Bible calls God God the Father. The father in the story is God. And then he said he had two sons. And the younger son, he had a secret. He lived at home. He did what he was supposed to do. You know, he, he did the, the necessities of life that life required of him. But he had a secret. In his heart, in his mind, he wanted to get away. He wanted to get away from his dad. And what Jesus is saying to us here is that this boy didn't really understand his father just like we don't understand God. This boy was saying to himself, I need to get away. And the, the reason, or the only way I can really get away is if I have a lot of money. He had money. He was a rich kid. He had clothes to wear. He had shoes on his feet. He, he had a, a place to stay. He had food to eat. He had money, but he wanted a different kind of money. He went to his dad and said, Dad, I know you're going to die someday, and I don't want to wait until you die, so I want you to give me my money now. His dad is a rich guy. That's a whole lot of money. He stands to inherit one-third of his dad's estate when his dad dies, but he's saying, Dad, I, 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 he doesn't tell his dad he wants out of there. He just said, I want the money now. So why would a kid who had enough money for everything he needed, why would a kid go and be such a total jerk with his dad as to do this? I love the, 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 the Chase credit card commercials. Have, have you ever seen those? You know, you, you watch the Chase card commercial, and in the background you hear Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones singing, I'm free to do what I want any old time. That's why we want money. That's why we, you know, we hope for this windfall of money because money would allow us to be God. I'm free to do what I want any old time. And that's what that boy wanted. He went to, went to his dad and said, I want my inheritance because he was saying, I don't want you to be God in my life. I want to be God. And money is power, and power is freedom. And so this father, who represents God, said to his son, okay, you can have one-third of my estate. It now belongs to you. And the Bible says in just a real short time, not many days later, the boy exercised his fantasy. He left home. He blew with all this money in his pocket. And he went as far away as he could get from his dad because he didn't understand his dad. That's what, that's what I've done that. I mean, I basically said to God, God, I really want to be my own God. I mean, I don't articulate it like that, but it's I want to be free to do what I want any old time. So thank you for your resources. Thank you for the breath that's in my body. Thank you for everything I have and the clothes that I have. But really, if it's all the same to you, God, I want to take all the stuff from you, and then I want to go over here and be free to do what I want any old time. 
I want to be God. And for a while he did. He had a lot of friends. Man, you got a big enough wad, you're going to have a lot of friends. You know that? I mean, he had an entourage. I mean, they had the bling. They had the stuff. I mean, he was the man. When he walked in, I mean, every, I mean he had hangers on everywhere. I mean, when he walked through town, he was the guy. He was the, he was the man with the, with the muscle, the man with the power. He had the cars. He had the women. He had the jewels. He had the stuff. How many of us have run from God using God's resources, the stuff that God has given us. And for a while, you know what? We're, we're the beautiful people. We're living a charmed life. Man, we're, we're doing what we want to do any old time. And we're thinking, this is great. I was right. I should have been God all along. I'm having a great time. I got a lot of friends. And somebody comes and says, well, wait a minute. You know what? God may have, there's another God out there, and he may have something to say about this. And we say, hey, you know what? I'm not worried about him. Even if I go to hell, look at all my entourage. I'm going to go with all my buddies, and we're going to get down. We're going to rock the place. (laughs) There's a problem with being our own God. Actually, two problems. And this boy hit the wall. He hit both these problems at the same time. You know, no matter how much you have in life, problem number one, the first reason why you and I don't make good gods is that you run out of resources. I mean, there's always going to be a point at which those resources that we got from God that allow us to be free to do what we want any old time, there's a point at which those resources run out. You say, hey, Mark, I don't know if I believe that or not. I mean, look at, look at Bill Gates. I mean, look, he's got billions of dollars. He's never going to run out of resources. Hey, money's not the main resource. We're all going to run out of time. We're all going to run out of youth. There's going to be a point at which stuff's going to happen in life. It's going to rock us back. And, and when you run out of resources, it just kind of like nags at you. You know what? I really don't think I'm a very good God here. But if that one is tough, the second one is even tougher. And that's circumstances. Because, you know, here's the deal. Even if you feel like I've got the resources to be my own God, circumstances will come along that will just eat you up. There will be things that happen. And you're going to say, you know what? Money's no answer for that. You know, my charisma, my personality, my bling, my charm, my, you know, my, the way I can, like, get people to do what I, I mean, it won't, you, you know, listen, you can have the greatest personality in the world, and when the doctor says cancer, it's not going to do anything about that. And this guy hit the wall. The Bible says Jesus, in telling the story, said his money ran out, and at the very same time, a famine they didn't have, you know, back then, as I said, it's an agrarian culture. You run out of water, you don't grow crops. A famine hit the land. I mean, it's like the economy tanked. There were no jobs. I mean, he ran out of money. And I'm sure he said to himself, you know what? I see my bank account going down. You know, he probably wasn't checking it real carefully. He just put his card in ATM, got the cash, went out, party, got drunk, got high. And he might have said to himself, well, if I ever run out of money, I'll get a job. Well, you know what? <laughs> There weren't a lot of jobs for this kind of guy. I mean, this guy had not been disciplined in life. And then when the jobs went away, the only place, only, only, only guy who would hire him, isn't this funny, was another farmer. But this was a farmer who didn't love him. The farmer said, well, I guess I could take you on. I got one job for you. 
The pigs have to be slopped every day. Now, he's a Jewish boy. For those of us who are not Jewish, we might not understand this as well as Jewish people would, but they don't eat pork. They don't mess with pigs. Pigs are unclean, and they are unclean in all our worlds, but I mean unclean in every possible way. You don't get close, you don't touch, you don't smell. This is a good Jewish kid. And the farmer said, the only job I've got is out there feeding pigs. So the boy went out there thinking, well, maybe there's a future in this. By the way, have you ever, listen, my granddad was a farmer and rancher. I, I have smelled, I have slopped hogs before. How many of you fed hogs, right? All right, good. Good, some of you have. Listen, there's never going to be, there's never going to be a cologne called O'Day Pigpen, right? <laughs> telling you, that's a rough smell. And you know what? Don't, don't wear anything really clean when you go out to, to slop the pigs. This is a filthy job. But at this point, this boy, I mean, he sold all of his bling. His car's been repossessed. You know, everything he's got is gone. You know, he probably has an expensive suit on, but it doesn't look bad any, good anymore. It's tattered and filthy and smelling. And he's out there slopping the hogs. And he goes and he says, hey, what about my paycheck? The guy says, paycheck. <laughs> Go out and slop those hogs. We'll see. We'll see. And he gets back the next day. So, you know, I, I, I didn't get a paycheck yesterday, but uh, could, could, could I just, like, get some food or something? Huh. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. And finally, the boy got so hungry that as he poured a slop in the trough, he got down and said, maybe I could eat this. And it was at that moment that a light went off in his head. You know, even the guys who work for my dad, I, see, I had my dad all wrong. I'm starting to figure that out. I, I, I thought my dad wanted to crush me. I thought my dad wanted to shut me down. I thought my dad wanted to stifle all my fun. But you know what? Even the guys who work for my dad, they have all they want to eat. And he got an idea. He said, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to ask Dad to give me a job. But therein lay a problem. Because how do you talk to a man when you have flipped him off and you said, really what he said was, I wish you were dead. How do you go talk to a dad when you've blown him off and you, you said, I wish you were dead, and I just want your resources, and then you took all the resources, and you go as far away as you can, and you spend the money on liquor and drugs and hookers, and you lose everything, and you come back. How do you talk to a dad? So the boy began to rehearse a speech in his head. It was something like this. I'm going to go home to my dad, and I'm going to say, Dad... I know I don't deserve to be called a son anymore. I understand fully, if I come back, I can't sleep in my room. I can't wear the clothes that hang in my closet. I understand that when you walk through town, I have to hang back because I can't be your son. I know that. But I'm hungry. And I'm going to say to my dad, 
I've sinned against you and I've sinned against heaven and I'm not fit to be a son. Would you hire me? And I'm going to say that to my dad. Dad, I'm not fit to be your son. And he was rehearsing this speech. And I think all the time in his mind, it was going to go something like this. He, he would get home. He, his dad would be doing something. Maybe his dad would be sitting at the computer working on the business. And the boy would walk in. And every time, I think in that boy's mind, he was always talking to his dad's back. Talk to the hand. <laughs> He could see it. You know, my dad will be in the, he'll be working with the guys, and I'm going to have to walk behind him. I'm going to have to find him, and I'm going to have to trail after him and then talk to his back and say, please, please, would you just hire me? But this boy didn't understand his dad going out, and he didn't understand his dad coming back in. How does the deal with us? See, we're the boy. We're the guy here. The dad is God. We don't understand God when we're running away from him. And we don't understand God when we're coming home. When we run away from him, we're saying, God wants to spoil all my fun. Well, the end of the story, we know that this dad was a partying guy. He was a celebrating guy. I mean, and I realize that a lot of you, you know, if you've run from God and you, you say, well, Mark, I'm in that bad of the bone crowd. A lot, see, a lot of what has messed you up is what church people have told you about God. Because, see, they don't understand him either. So here he is, you know, you sort of see him get up on his feet, filthy. Man, the smell must have knocked, it would have knocked you down. You know, I just pray God kept all this on videotape because I got, I mean, I love the video we did, but I, I just can't wait till I see this. And you know what I want to see? Here's what I want to see. I, God kept this on videotape. I want to see the first step. He took back home. There's a lot in the story that Jesus told that I want to see, but I want to see that first step. Because here's what I've discovered in life life is made up of first steps. When you take when that boy took that first step outside his door, he was headed for a destination. But when he took one step away from that pig pen, he was headed for a brand new destination. Some of you need today, you have like gone so far away from God. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 50, verse 6, Jeremiah talks about people like some of us. He said, you've you've lost your way and you don't know how to get back home. I mean, it's like you said to yourself, well, I'm going to take a step away from God, but I know the way back home. But then you wake up one day and you've just taken so many steps away from God. You're saying, I don't know how to come. I don't know how to get back home. But this boy said, I'm going to go home. And I see him as he gets up. And as he walks, man, it's just eating on him all the way back. What's on his stomach? All the way back. What's going to happen? I'm going to get there. And my dad's going to say, excuse me, I don't know you. Weren't you the boy here that just said, hey, I wish you were dead. Give me the money. And and you took the money and run. I mean, you... Listen, you're an embarrassment to me. What, what would people say in our town? What, what, what would people say if they knew that this kid that had so disgraced his family came back home? What would they say about me as a dad? And now this boy is rehearsing all this in his head, but he's got a speech done. He's going to go back and he's going to talk to the hand. He's going to talk to his dad's back and say, Dad, I know I'm not fit to be a son anymore, but would you just let me go to work for you? I'll, I'll sleep out in the bunkhouse. I, I, I'll wear the overalls. I don't, I don't have to have the good clothes. I, I, don't have to, I, don't, I, won't even tell, I won't even tell people my name. I 
I love the way Jesus told the story. He said, but when he was a long way off, see, the boy didn't have to go find his dad. He didn't have to go talk to the hand, talk to the back. The Bible says that when the boy was still a long way off, the dad saw him. You know why? Because his dad was looking for him. You say, well, 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 wait, why didn't the dad just go down to where he was in the far country? This is probably one of the most important things I will tell you today. Whether you're in the bad or the bone crowd or you're in the religious crowd, here's one of the most important things I need to tell you. God loves you very much, but he won't go to the hog pen. Like a lot of you in this region, I watched the Cheever trial. You know, the kid that was hopped up on meth and shot the, shot the sheriff and killed him. And he was on trial for his life this week. The jury recommended death. That was a sad, sad story all the way around. But probably the thing that just ripped my heart out the most was when this boy's mother was on the stand. She said he got the drugs from her. And she said, we got high together. Hey, God won't do meth with you. God, God, God won't go cruising for hookers with you. God won't even do the, the religion gig with you. He won't go to the hog pen. You say, well, I just think God, I've always been told that God is a God of love, so I'm just going to keep being my own God. Ah, there's the problem. But even though the father wouldn't go to the hog pen, I think every day he walked out to the street or the road in front of the house and he looked to see, maybe he'll come home today. And the day came when the father looked down the road and he saw this draggled, ragged, filthy son who had said, I, I just want you to die. I want your money. But he sees him coming home and he's not leaving with the attitude and he's not leaving with the bling. He's coming back with his head bowed and life has kicked him around and whipped him and he's found out that he can't be his own God. And his boy's coming and, he, he, and all of a sudden he looks up and there is his dad coming toward him and the boy's trying to get his speech out that he's memorized. Remember, I, I know I'm not worthy to be your son anymore. Would, would you just hire me? But interesting, the father doesn't even pick up on that because the father begins to talk to one of his servants and his Dad says, quick, go get the best robe in the house. You know that Armani suit that we've been saving that we've had all tailored up? I want you to go get that Armani suit. And then he looks down and notices the boy doesn't have any shoes on his feet and says, hey, go get those Cole Hans that we've got in the box, in the green paper. Go get those Cole Hans and bring them out for my boy. And then, sweetest thing, you know, in those days, if you were a member of an important family, you wore a ring. It was a signet ring that said you belonged to the father father went to the jewelry box and got the ring and he stood there and the father, listen, this is cool the father himself put the ring on the boy's hand that said I'm not sleeping in the bunkhouse I'm a son, I belong to this family and out in the out in the barn there's a big old steer they've been fattening up for this occasion and the father said, we're throwing a party tonight. My boy was lost, but now he's home. My boy was dead, but he's alive again. What Jesus is saying 
is that we probably don't understand God. We think he's out to cut our fun when in reality God is a celebrating God. We think that God wouldn't love us. I asked myself, see, here's the thing. As I brought this, got ready to bring this message, I kept asking myself, but do I really know the point? I mean, I, you guys know me. I, whenever I stand before you, I don't perform. I want you to know what God wants you to know. And I kept thinking, but do I know what the story's about? But do I know what the story's about? But do I know what the story's about? I've taught it. I've written about it. But do I really know what the story's about? What is, what is the very point that Jesus is getting to with this bad-to-the-bone crowd and this religious crowd that thinks they know God? And as I got ready for this message, you hit me. The point of Jesus' story is who would still love you if you lost everything? Mark, I got a lot of friends. What if you lost all your money? What if you lost your ability to enhance your company? What if you were no longer able to add to the bottom line? What if you lost your health? What if you lost your looks? What if you lost everything you had? Who would still love you? Jesus answers that question. God. If everybody in this world, I mean, if you did so many bad things that everybody in this world turned their back on you, you may be here today and you say, Mark, I feel like I'm totally alone. I've screwed up so many relationships. I, you don't understand. I've been from bed to bed and woman to woman, man to man. I've just, I, my, nobody will have anything to do with me. I haven't paid my bills. and I'm just, I'm just such a total wreck. And I think the best thing I can do is just end it all. Could I tell you, you don't understand God. Because even if you lost everything you had, and even if you'd screwed up everything in life, the Father's still there to put his arms around you. Would you just bow your heads with me for a moment? You could be here today and you could say, Mark, I'm a long way from God. I'm the bad to the bone guy you talked about. Not everybody knows it, but I am. I'm the bad to the bone gal. Or you could be here and you're saying, oh, I'm religious. I've been church all my life, but I just figured out today I didn't know God. Could I tell you today, you can come home to God today. Now, you've got to take that first step. God won't come down to the pig pen, but he'll sure meet you. Say, so, well, Mark, I've covered stuff up, not from God. I mean, here's the thing. This invitation is predicated on the fact that God knows you, and he still loves you. Somebody can say, well, I, it still doesn't compute because, I mean, somebody's got to pay for all that bad stuff I've done. Bingo. That's right. Every sin, it means every act that you and I have ever done that's wrong in God's sight, every sin will be paid for. God is a God of total justice. God sweeps nothing under the rug. I'm 51 years old. Every bad thing that I've ever done, and that's a bunch of stuff, will be paid for. Either I will pay for it myself, and the only option I have for that is to go to hell and be there forever. It's not an attractive proposition to me. But the Father has it covered.
In fact, the very man who told the story Jesus lived a perfect life for 33 years. And then he took that perfect life that he had and he laid it on a cross. And they drilled nails into his hands and feet. They hammered thorns into his head. And for six hours he hung on a cross. And the way God looks at it, every bad thing that you and I have ever done, every sin that we've racked up, was put on Jesus. And when he said, it's finished, the way God looked at it, all your sin, all my sin, past, present, future, had been paid for so that you could come home to God. It's as simple as that. You could say, Mark, I know I'm okay because I'm a member of a church. I love you. I would never insult you. It will get you nothing when you die. Because even the best church in the world can't do anything about your sins. You say, Mark, I was baptized when I was a baby. Water's nice. It's a good thing your parents thought about you in spiritual terms. But water can never wash away sin. We sang it a little while ago. What can wash away my sin? What can make me a whole person again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. God wants to give you eternal life. God wants to give you a home in heaven. God wants to forgive you of all your sins. And it's just as simple as you saying, I will have Jesus in my life to be my Savior and my Lord. You know, when I perform a wedding, I'll do that this afternoon. I'll ask the bride, will you have this man to be your husband? I'll ask the groom, will you have this woman to be your wife? And all they have to do is say, yes, I do, I will, or any affirmative answer will do. And God wants you in his home. He has blessings for you in the stall. He's got blessings for you in his closet that will blow your mind. All he's wanting from you is to say, I'm ready to come home. I'm ready to accept Jesus as my Savior. I believe he died for me. I believe he arose from the grave. I believe that Jesus is in heaven right now listening. And right now, I want him to be my Savior. And if you'll do that, I'm telling you, God, you won't have to talk to his back. You won't have to talk to his hand. He'll come running to meet you. And he will do what he's promised. Somebody could say, well, Mark, I'm ready to come home right now. You don't have to wait. We can do it right now. We're gonna, I'm going to pray a prayer, and it's just a prayer to God. You don't have to use my words if you, if you don't want to, because like I said, God's just looking for a yes. But if you mean this with your heart, God will hear your prayer. You ready? Here we go. Lord, I have done wrong. I've tried to be my own God and it didn't work. I accept Jesus as my Savior and I'm coming home to you. Forgive me and save me in Jesus' name. Now here's the deal. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, if you believe it in your heart, and you confess it with your mouth. That means it's privately true and it's public. Because, you know, if you come home, it's a public thing too. If it's private, it's public. The Bible says if you believe with your heart, confess with your mouth, you will be saved. 
For those of you who just prayed, that was a private thing. Nobody knew. But I'm going to ask you to do something. It's just a touch on the public side. It's really between just you and me. But if you ask Jesus to come into your heart and life, would you take your worship folder? The little thing looks like an iPhone. There's a panel there that's detachable. And there's a box on there. This is just your first public thing. If you would just check that box and say, Mark, I I asked Jesus to come into my life today. I received him as my Savior. And if you just put your name and address on there, I'll I'll mail you a packet. And this is free. Trust me. It's my gift to you. I just want to give this to you. Inside the packet are some DVDs and some great stuff that will help you know what the decision you've made is really is. Help you understand it better and help you know how to take those other steps in really walking you know, living your life with God. Now, if you don't want to wait for this, I don't want you to wait for this. When you walk out of there, there are four stations. There's New Spring Store, and there's guest services, and two more stations where there are tables, where if you will just take your card today, you don't have to make a speech, you don't have to do a dance or anything. You just take your card and say, I pray with Mark today, and they will give you one of these, and you can take it home with you today. Because trust me, at New Spring Church, we're never out to try to get you to be part of our church unless God leads you. We want you to know Jesus. We want you to know what it likes to be completely and totally forgiven.